0: Hi, and welcome to another edition of the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi. Six weeks ago, if I said what I'm about to say, you'd all think I was nuts. Well, you might think that anyway, but ladies and gentlemen, the Baltimore Ravens are in first place in the AFC North, thanks to a thrilling win in Los Angeles and a Mike Tomlin brain fart in New Orleans. The Ravens delivered a fantastic defensive effort, throttling Philip Rivers, and the Chargers, 22-10 to in a game with a margin that really hardly speaks to the thorough butt-kicking the Ravens delivered. Currently, the Ravens are the fourth seed in the AFC, but things could get even better if for some reason the Texans and or the Patriots are upset this coming weekend. But it would have to be upset weekend for sure because the host Texans are nine-point favorites over the Jaguars, while the host Patriots 14-point favorites, over the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets. So if things unfold the way oddsmakers suggest, the Ravens will host the L.A. Chargers in a wild-card showdown the first weekend in January. To finish things off for the regular season, the Ravens take on the Browns at M&T Bank Stadium, where they are currently listed as six-point favorites. That's going to be a tough game. Joining me on the program today in studio is Brian McFarlane from Russell Street Report. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Dev Panchoa. He's an analyst. I call him the scientist. He's also with Russell Street Report. So we've got some Christmas presents to give away, and there's plenty to talk about. We'll take a quick time out, and then we'll get to it, so don't go away. Welcome back to the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi, now joined by our resident capologist, Brian McFarlane. Brian, welcome in. How are you?
1: Good. Merry Christmas. You too, you too. So, interesting games le- this past week. Wow. Weekend. Yeah. Yeah. The. Uh... What, where were you when you were watching the Ravens games? Um, I was actually at home. Um, we had had a party the night before, so we were just kind of taking it. Kinda, right. And I, you know, I wasn't expecting it to be so festive as, a, as an event. Didn't it, uh, it make the party much better? Oh, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was It was real, uh, I was surprised. Uh, you know, what, what else can I say? It was really surprising, so.
0: I was surprised by the way the defense really, I don't think the score indicates how badly they beat the Chargers. Oh, no, we
1: should have been up 17 to nothing at half or right. something like that. I mean, you know, we right after the first interception, we get the ball. What Gus runs the one, actually, the first play, I think. Ran it right up the middle and yeah. took it down to, like, the eight. They were inside the 10-yard line yeah. twice with first and goal
0: right. and got three yeah. points. Right.
1: Yeah, so um, the score, but, of course, that looked like that kind of Ravens game. You know, here we go at the end, and, and San Diego's got the or San Diego, Los Angeles has the ball. I said that ball. four times on the podcast right. last week. Los Angeles has the ball, and, you know, here they go, and, and you know, look like we lost our opportunity to score more points. We kind of shut the offense down in the second half, you know, and here we go. They're going to score, and we're going to lose 17-16. Yeah. But thankfully, uh, thankfully they made the plays they needed to, just like uh, New Orleans made the play they needed to last night because I was sure Ben was going to take them right down the field. I and was, score, too. You what know? did you think of the fake punt? Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, right. Worked out great for us, uh, didn't it? I'll tell you. <laughs> I was... So I was listening... So I called it, actually. <laughs> Did you we, really? I called it. Just, just where they were on the, the way field, they looked.
0: And, yeah, just, I just... I, I said, this is a fake punt coming up. I uh, thought he was going to throw it, though.
1: You're right. Uh, so th- this is kind of funny. So my daughter had a soccer game you know, up, up near you in White Marsh. Okay. And so after we're we're driving back and I'm listening to the, uh, on the fan, the game is on. And they had their hiding moment. So at 7.30, the game went off. And all of a sudden, some sports, you know, post-game show sort of thing comes on and they're talking about scores and stuff, and I'm like, what the heck just happened? What happened to the game? And I'm like, so I'm, like, I, I, I'm going, I'm like, did, did, I, did I, the stations change? I mean, I kept going back and forth, and luckily I had satellites, so I flipped over real quick, and I was like, what the heck happened there? I was wondering, I, I, I yeah. imagine they caught a, a lot of crap for that, because all of a sudden, in a game, I mean, any other Sunday night game, or sun, yeah, sun, late Sunday afternoon game, it wouldn't have mattered, but that one. That was a big one. So luckily I got it back on enough to hear the, uh, and because it, it was right around the time of the fake punt, too.
0: But, you know, last week I was writing, and I think that you probably share this this thought, is that all the focus was on Lamar. How was Lamar going to handle that fast Chargers defense? Mm-hmm. And the Chargers actually, I thought, defended him pretty decently on the edges anyway. Mm-hmm. But the really, the, the game was going to be won and lost
1: by, by how the Ravens defended Philip oh, Rivers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Magnificent game plan. Oh, there. they did. I mean, they... You know, rivers. Is, I love. I, I love watching rivers. I because do too. He gets so fired He's a up. I like it. I mean, he knocked his helmet off. He knocked his, I, helmet no, I know. He knocked his own helmet <laughs> right. off after. And Judon. I think it was Judon, or was it Smith? One of. I mean, they he, didn't get him. I mean, as they were after he was on the ground, as they came up, they kind of briefly hit his. And then he like rips off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that part of Rivers, I guess maybe I don't like so much. But, well, but, you'd love uh, it if, oh, he, if he was your, your guy. Oh, right? absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like, like Heinz Ward, you know. Right. You hated him as a competitor, but, man, you'd like to have him on your team. I'm
0: sure there were one or two
1: people that hated Ray Lewis. <laughs> I'm sure. Just a few probably, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so that that's the uh, – it was just surprising. Um, you know, they have those games. Look what they did to Tennessee. Tennessee has a great offensive line, and they shredded them. 11 and, sacks the and And Yeah, and then they come back. And you know, don't do it. Don't seem to get any pressure some games. So it's so weird how that works. Um, San Diego up the middle was not a good offensive line. Their tackles no, are pretty I think good, they and it. they absolutely did. So um, I don't know. Browns, who knows what their offensive line is like? I mean, I think they're. They, I think at right tackle they're kind of weak. So hopefully they find you know they find that hole and work on that. Um, because they're going to have to get. Yeah, we need the same kind of defensive performance.
0: Well, uh, the thing that Baker Mayfield is good at, he climbs the pocket well. Yes. he moves around. He reminds me a little bit of Breeze how he moves around mm-hmm. the pocket. So he, he gets that arm angle. He, right. he, you know, he he gets those openings, and he's got some guys making plays for him. We Him yeah. Perryman, Perryman. Yeah. My God. Well,
1: uh, that's talking about
0: you. about the football gods. Yeah,
1: that'd be a disaster right there if that happens. Um, but I feel. I mean. I feel good for the guy. I don't want anything to happen No, he's week. a good man. But, yes. you know, I mean, whatever was going on, I mean, he obviously had the injuries, and then clearly there was something in his head that, you know, um, that he just couldn't seem to overcome. He needed to go someplace else. And, I mean, he had, I mean, didn't one team sign him and then cut him, like, a day later? I feel like somebody did. Patriots
0: I, signed him, didn't
1: they? Somebody did, but it was cut, like, immediately. They <laughs> saw him for one practice dropping balls left and right, probably. Um... And and I know he had a bunch of different tryouts and a lot of teams didn't sign him. I know the Skins, I know he tried out there and I feel like he tried out in Miami or I don't know, but Jets maybe. Um, So, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, Hopefully not that interesting there. But it's going to be a typical nail-biter game, I guarantee, just because that's the way it'll go.
0: Cleveland's offensive line is ranked 19th overall by Football Outsiders. Okay, that's good. And they rank 19th. In sacks as well, 38 sacks they've allowed this year. So, yeah. not a great offensive line. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. No, no, that's that's good. Um, that hopefully we can have that same kind of performance and you know get get in his face. And we, do you said, he climbs the pocket. So hopefully. We can get that inside push. Right,
0: Darius Smith has been terrific right. interior, as yeah. an interior pressure. Remember, remember, we always compared him years ago to Purnell McPhee. Yeah. Yeah. And we wondered if he was ever going
1: to step into right. that role, and now well, he, that is. he is. Well, and he's
0: going to be a free agent. He's going to be a free, so he's a free he's a agent. Cash he's going to cash somewhere in else. just
1: like McPhee did, absolutely. I'm a
0: little surprised that Tim Williams doesn't get any playing time anymore. Well,
1: there was something... I, think was, I, don't, I don't remember where I heard or read this, but apparently he, and this is his history, he has... He balks up over the off season, and through the season, he loses muscle. And a lot of them do, but apparently his is very pronounced. And then he had his injury, so apparently he's just not really in football shape. And they were trying to get, get him to put weight back on and add muscle, but apparently, and I don't know where I heard that, it was... I don't know. I feel like it, was Jeff, it had to be Jeff Shuribek somewhere. Well,
0: when right. they brought him out last year, I thought, you know, he he looks more like a safety. He didn't.
1: He's not big. He's yeah. not
0: big. And then this off season, he bulked up. Right. And they said he was two seventy. I didn't see two seventy. Yeah. Well. Right. Yeah. I, I thought he was more like a long two fifty. Right. So, right. But he showed some promise early on in the season. He and did. Just, like you said, he's, he got he's not in football and, shape yeah. and yeah. yeah. So, so the Ravens' defense, I, I thought. They really stepped up the defensive backfield, and here's a guy that we talked about months ago, Brian, regarding whether he was going to come back in 2019. Right, Brandon Carr. Carr is he's played. Yes, I mean, I would have to grade him as a B plus this year.
1: Yes, he has had, you know, there's always that thing about you know players who, when they feel the pressure and realize they're playing for the next year or playing to be a free agent in the next year. That they seem to come out better um, and play better, and I I, absolutely. I mean, he's been. I mean, you know, you look at Carr and Smith were both. I think perhaps still, you know, potential cuts, Um, and I would have said Carr would have been, you know, if the one was, you know, back in August, I would have said Carr's definitely almost no brainer. Right, and you know, as long as Humphreys, you know, progresses, and certainly he has, and you know, it's kind of hard to cut both of them. Because um, there isn't another, you know, with, with you know, Candidate may have been that guy, but, again, he's got all these injury problems himself. Mm-hmm. And and so, you know, but if one's staying now, I think it's easily Carr. I mean, that play he made. Uh, I don't that know was, that I remember a better interception yeah, by Raven. Evan. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that was, um, I mean, because, well, and that was Rivers was underthrow, thankfully, because the guy had him beat. Yeah. But, and the guy went up, and I was sure he had the ball, you know. And then, I mean, if, you know, even on the TV, until all of a sudden, the Raven, all the Ravens players are got their hands pumping, and you know, I almost thought, ball. I,
0: I was looking at his I thought he stepped out of bounds. Right, the receiver. Right, and I'm like, he stepped out of bounds. Everybody saying, what are you worried about yeah. that for? You just intercepted you're the ball. Right, right. <laughs> So, so yeah, so the, the defensive backfield really played well. You know, there were some spots where
1: Jefferson had what back-to-back plays. He had those back-to-back penalties, that,
0: but I think he stepped up after. Uh, that. Yeah, he
1: did. He did. Um, and and I, the the personal foul on him got the guy a little too far out of bounds. Yeah, he kind of gra- yeah. grazed him. I mean, you he gra- he
0: saw he's trying
1: to pull up. Right. I mean, if if that's my offensive player, I do want that flag. Of course, <laughs> you know. But I was thinking. Uh, that was tight and even the the pass interference he wrapped him a little a little but I mean you you know that that happens all the time but again with the flag happy refs I guess that's the way it's going to be and that
0: really annoys me because at this time of the year more so than any time just let the teams play yeah only call penalties that make a difference in the outcome of a play.
1: I think the Steelers fans would probably agree with yeah. you because oh, yeah. they got, they got kind of hosed. Yeah, they did. They really did. Um, not that I'm going to complain about it too much no, because no. they gotten so many calls over, over the years. years. Holy yeah. crap. Uh, I still, I, my friends and I still, that whole Santonio Holmes breaking the goal line. It was a December game too. Yes. Um, and he still hasn't crossed the goal line. <laughs> There's no way he crossed the goal line. And they to reverse it much less, you know. I mean, right. call in the field. Now, the Seals were going for a fourth down and probably scored anyway, but, you know, and that's old, new, old news, I have know. But you had an opportunity. Yes, that. I just, that still gets to me. <laughs> you know who had a big game?
0: Peanut. Yeah. Really big game. Two sacks, the forced fumble on yeah. Gates. Yeah. I mean, he
1: played really well. He's played, really, he's played well. really well. I mean, Kenny Young, they were more splitting time earlier in the year, but now the snaps are really going to Peanut. Um, and not the Kenny Younger. I don't think he's played bad, badly. Just no, see, um,
0: he's a restricted free agent,
2: correct? Peanuts a
1: restricted free agent. He was an undrafted free agent, so I would assume, especially the way he's playing now, he'll get the second round tender. Uh, the first round, I mean, the he won't get a first. Um, the The low tender. There's no compensation if somebody signs him. Um, so I think the second round tender. makes sure I don't think anybody's going to offer him a contract and give up a second rounder. Um, and then, of course, the Ravens have to decide what they want to do, and this will be one Michael of Michael Pierce, a similar situation, yeah, right? same thing. I would think he's a second round too. Um, he's could played it, well. Could a, could a team come after him? But you know, there's 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 a little bit of a game to it too. You you get the other team to negotiate a contract with him, and then you can just match it. Because they can't do poison pills anymore. That's why, I mean, people are like, why don't people go after... Talk about the poison pills. You know? Well, poison pills, there were a couple years ago. It's been a long time now. The last CBA got rid of them. The 2011 CBA got rid of them. But And teams had kind of stopped doing them anyway. But it was, I'm trying to think, it was between Minnesota and St. Louis. And I'm trying to remember the details. But it was something like, if... If he pl- if the player played ten games in a dome or something, I mean, sorry, ten games in a state. It was something about a state. And if he played eight, it, it became guaranteed. So the way it was set up, if he went back, if if Minnesota, ma- I think it was Seattle, who did the poison pill, or maybe it was the other. But if, if Minnesota matched, then the full the full contract became guaranteed because he would play eight games in Minnesota in. A a year in that season, and then the full thing would be. So it was all gamesmanship. It was yes, and And the new CBA took all. Yeah, and and the teams had stopped doing it because everybody realized. Well, if you do it to me, I can do it to you. You know, and then you know what good does that do? So, so because of that, a lot of times now, restricted free agents, the only restricted free agents that move are the guys that have a. Fourth or fifth or sixth round, maybe not even a fourth, but you know, really low round, um, or the undrafted free agents who only have a, just a match thing, so you can just sign them and right. you get a chance to match, but there's no compensation. So if you put a second on those guys, I don't think anybody's going to. Now, you know, some team really thinks Pierce is that guy, and they negotiate a contract. Well, the Ravens can; they're in a good, they're in a, probably in a good spot there. You don't want to lose him, but if the contract is too much, you can let him go. And if not, you get a second round pick. Right. You know, so, and if it's a, you know, and of course, then, you know, in a second round pick, you're looking at the teams that are drafting one through 15 in the top of that round. They're probably not going to do that. Now, yeah. later,
0: maybe. Pierce is a good player. Brandon Williams is a good player, but I would argue that he's overpaid. Yeah. But those kinds of players don't impact the game enough, in my opinion. Right. In this not, for a second, era.
1: not for a second round, right? right. But so, I don't, you can't put the low tender on him because somebody's going to come after him. Then. Correct.
0: Because, well, they don't really have the low, right?
1: Well, the low, they, they can give him the low tender, but there's no compensation. they only right. have a right to match. Because they're undrafted. Right. So, you, yeah. So, and Collins is the other one, and he was a fifth-round pick by Seattle. So, I you know, in August, I would have expected him to get the second-round tender. Uh, now, obviously, he gets the low tender.
0: What do you think of CJ's play lately?
1: I mean, he's uh, CJ's in a tough spot because he's playing middle linebacker on the Baltimore Ravens, and and who do and who do we expect? Right. I mean, who for fifteen was it? Fifteen years was the standard. Even in there his, was even that his, guy that
3: wore fifty. Right.
1: Even in his bad year, so I think sometimes that clouds the fans' thought process. Um, we expect him to be a Superman. Certainly. He is, I mean, you see some of the, you know, the national pundits, they talk about him glowingly. Right. You know. And, of course, they don't see every play like we do. You know, it was kind of the Lamar Jackson, you know, beginning of the year, all the pundits were saying he was going to take Flacco's job, but if you were training camp or you read the local, you know, the local papers, that's what it is. It's amazing to
0: me how much attention people, or credit people give to the national guys covering team stories. When it's the local guys that know better, right?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, but I think there's a good, very good reputation. Mosley has a very good reputation, certainly league wide. So, um, I think
0: he's played better since Weddle's been making the calls.
1: Well, I think that's I think that's helped. Yes, and that's some, But that's something you know. We get into who's back next year, and you know, do you franchise tag Mosley? Uh, I mean, he's going to be a thirteen, fourteen million a year kind of contract. Too Which much. is a lot. I mean, it's just a lot for a middle linebacker. It is. Um, we who, talked who, about the guys li-
0: that impact the game. Right. And, who has and,
1: and, liability? You know, certainly has liability issues when it comes to the pass game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's really good in the run game, no question. Can you know? Can Kenny Young replace him next to Peanut next year? Will they lose that much? You know, they. It's that eighty-twenty rule. You know. Um, and I. I mean, that's really because you're talking. You're talking Kenny Young mm-hmm. making. Seven hundred thousand, and you're talking thirteen, fourteen million. You know, Um, so that's that's going to be a tough call. Now, depends on the way they approach it. You know, is next year going to be? Because Flacco, we can certainly say, is gone. You know, is Weddle back? Um, You know, he's had some really. He played well against San Diego, granted, but there were some other games the last couple of weeks prior. He just does make plays you know, make No, fair. he doesn't. He doesn't. And you know, so is he back? Is Jimmy Smith back? You know, if you take Flacco and Jimmy Smith and Weddle, that's 26 million in cap space. That gives them 35 million headed into the offseason. They haven't had that in years. Now, granted, the cap has gone up, so 35 million is you know isn't as much as it was you know five right. years ago for cap dollars, but. Um, <clears throat> So if you do that, then you've got enough. You've got enough money to, to franchise tag Mosley, um, which you know last couple of years using the franchise tag was there's no way you know, so that could be done. So, um, now if he comes in and they you know they sign him, I don't know where the line is. Twelve is twelve million a year too much. Uh, he's going to get more than that. But if somehow he says I'll take twelve, do you sign him for that? Probably. I don't know. So that's going to be an interesting one.
0: What do you think they do with Suggs? Sugg is He's kind of disappeared the last few games. He has,
1: and, that, and that's been his thing. Late season, he kind of tails off. Um,
0: Although I would argue that his pressure on Rivers on the opening play was well, was, absolutely. So that, that and, he's sti- and
1: he's still, he's still one of the best at setting the edge. I mean, that was that's one of the most under. And people say is he a Hall of Famer, um, I don't. And because you know, what do you do? You look at an end. You look at sacks, and he's got plenty of those, certainly. But... Hit, hit him against the run game. Like how many screens has he blown up over the He's years? He's incredible. Amazing. He's such a smart player. Yeah, I mean, all you know, he takes two steps and you're like, why is he stopping? And then you see him drift back, and quarterback goes. He's reading his and keys, and he just drops the ball at the you know the running back's feet because the is standing right next to him. So that probably happens once a game. It does. It. It's, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. So um, Rivers was frustrated as hell a couple times because it was the same thing. He's like, ah, they just blew up my play. You know. Um, and because the frustration on his face is always fun to see. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I don't know. Suggs will be interesting. I mean, there can't be a big market for him. Uh, I mean, what do you
0: think he gets? He's making seven million this year, I, which is eight, this
1: the last four years? It was a you know it was a four year twenty eight million dollar contract, which in today's dollars was a nice deal for us. Right. I mean, I mean, got paid well, but you know, so I can't I can't see him getting seven again. No, uh, unless they do sort of the. Um, gift kind of contract where they it averages seven a year and for you know so he gets you know fifteen million over the first two years so he gets a little more than he got but the and knowing that he's only going to play one or two more years. Um,
0: I think sometimes we tend to look at these players and their contracts, and we measure them against you know comparable players in the league, but we. Discard or don't take into yeah. consideration what might be going on in their personal lives. Right, and you know Suggs, I think went through a divorce this year.
1: Yeah,
0: and which thankfully was quiet because a lot of their history was not quiet. Right, and <laughs> I, I think with that quiet comes a price tag well, to be quiet. Well, this
1: is true. This is true,
0: and I think this is just me speculating and reading the tea leaves, but I, I think that. He wants to play a couple more years because
1: he might want the money. Ah, uh, well, absolutely. Now he's got the other side ventures. He's he does, got and maybe he's trying to finance stuff. those things. Right, and yeah, so um, so it'll be interesting. I don't know what to um, what to think there yet. Um, I don't. Again, I don't think there's a big market. Um, so we'll see. It's. I think this is the place for him. I, I don't think he wants to go anywhere else. Uh, he, he's thirty-seven. I mean, 37 and two Achilles injuries. If you're going to give him a $10 million bonus... Yeah. Uh, we can the like Crabtree. I think Crabtree's gone.
0: What's his, his deal look like? His, think, what do they say by his, getting rid of him?
1: His is, his is... It's not terrible. I mean, it, he would make $7 million next year between um, salary and a, a roster bonus. Um, are you going to pay him $7 million for what he's done? Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm gonna look up this guy Brian McFarlane's
0: work on Russell Street Report
1: and <laughs> <laughs> so, see what he has to so
0: say.
1: <laughs> yeah, <so laughs> a lot of people do that. I mean, don't don't leave, don't give me any credit for it, but at least um, we knew who they yeah, are. So <laughs> All
0: right, well, they saved so four point six 4, seven. Four point six.
1: It's 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 an even split. So it's four point six seven to uh, in cap savings. Four point six seven to cut him. Uh, in dead money. And he's got a roster bonus to... Well, that when, yeah, that when would be a trigger. That so yeah. that that would be usually the third day of league year, which league year starts, that's, that's actually St. Patrick's Day. Um, so Which I know is near and dear to your heart. Yes, absolutely. Me too. That's absolutely. one day of the
0: year I'm Irish. There you go, there you
1: go. <laughs> um, so I, I can't, I just... Now, Brown probably won't come back now. I mean, the, we... We talked a couple months ago about can we can they re-sign him now <laughs> when he was lighting it up with Flacco? They've got and, f-
0: and what you said at that time. Let's see how things play right, out. Right, you never
1: know, right? Right. So they have to. I mean, they they've got to find a young. I mean, they're gonna have to draft receivers because no what no free agents gonna come here now if Lamar's the quarterback. Because look what's happened to Brown. You know, look what, I mean Crabtree's hardly getting a couple passes. Now no, that's it, gonna it will change. It'll be interesting
0: to see what they offer him. That's
1: gonna change, right? right. So. Uh, so I think uh, I don't think Brown's going to want to stay. I think he did enough work in the first six, eight games that teams are going to be like, he can help us. And,
0: and Sneed's was a pretty solid Sneed, two-year
1: Sneed's deal, is right? A, is, yeah, Sneed will be back. And, and I think of the three, Sneed and, and Lamar seem to have the, the best connection. And um, Sneed is a willing blocker, too. Yeah, and he is. And he's willing to take that catch over the middle and take some punishment, you know. So I think I, he'll be back. I, w- I would have said Crabtree would be back a couple months ago, but I'm not sure now. Um, he's a guy they, they don't do post June 1 releases often, but I could see them doing that with him. They'd save seven this year. We'll push 2.3 in the next year. so it wouldn't be a terrible mm-hmm. amount to push forward. Uh, then again, they're gonna have eight for Flacco next year. so maybe I don't know, they'll take all of Flacco this year. so, so I think that's one.
0: Talk it, about that, brother. Distinguish distinguish between the June 1st okay. and pre-June one. Okay. And, and the benefit to the team
1: by doing it prior and after. Right. So the, the benefit for doing it, well, if you do it prior, you're going to have less cap savings. But, In that particular year. And, right. And you're going to have bigger dead money. But, if, but you don't have any lasting consequences. Because if you do it post, then that dead money gets split. So, you get a bigger cap savings in the present year, but you're. Post June 1. Post June, yeah, so you do post June 1. So, you get bigger cap savings in the present year, but that pushes generally half, or, or depending upon how many years are left on the deal, that pushes money into the following year. So, let's use Flacco as an example. If Flacco is cut pre June 1, there's $10, $10.5 million in savings, but they're going to take. 16 million in dead money on the 2019 cap. That 16 is hard to swallow, but when you have 10 million in savings, you'll do it, and they, they're going to have to anyway. They're not going to pay them 18 and a half million to sit on Same
0: as the if same, they trade.
1: Them. Right. Same trade. Yeah. Trade. Same with the trade. And you're not going to trade them post June 1 because nobody's going to wait till after June to get their starting quarterback in their building. Right. So, but if you do a post June 1, you save 18 and a half million. On 2019 on 2019 and you only carry the 8 million in dead money but that pushes 8 million in dead money into 2020 and you can enjoy those savings that's, that's the, that's the when real the free agents are available. Right, right so you can you can actually cut there, you, teams can cut two players prior to June 1 but ask for post- June 1 treatment cap treatment uh, but none of that money is available. As you said, until so you would have great. We can get eighteen million in savings for Flacco. That's a no-brainer, right? We'll take the we'll let the eight million go into the into the following year, but that eighteen and a half million is not available till June second.
0: Now, why did they change that so that you can choose two players to do that? Is that to give the players some opportunity? It was a a
1: benefit for the player. It doesn't help the team any. It's it's a benefit for the player that the player doesn't have to sit out. Till June. Now, it's a little different now because teams still have plenty of cap money in June a lot of times. But back in the day when everybody was pretty tight against the cap, um, players, in, you weren't getting any money in June. Um, and it, it was growing the players, basically. Right. So, so now, so if the Ravens release, I mean, they're not going to hold Flacco. They're not going to hold any of these guys. Uh, if, if, if Crabtree, like I said, maybe Crabtree could be a post June one guy. If that happens, um, they'll, they'll use one of their two exemptions and, and you know, let, them, let them go free. Okay.
0: All right, let's take a little time out. When we come back from the break, we're going to be joined by Dev Pantois. He's an analyst for Russell Street Reports. Don't go away.
3: Like 33rd Street was to Colt fans, Russell Street
0: will become legendary for future generations of Raven fans. Not only is Russell Street the team's address on Sunday, it's now home to the website, voted Baltimore's best five years in a row. You've known them as Ravens247.com for years, and now you'll love them as RussellStreetReport.com for many more. There's nothing else like it for Baltimore football fans. Trust me, RussellStreetReport.com, Baltimore's home for football 24-7. Hi, welcome back to the Russell Street Report. I'm here with Brian McFarland, and now joining us on the Mobile One Hotline via Skype, none other than the scientist, as I like to call him. Dev Panchois. Dev, how are you?
3: Hey, Tony. We're going back uh,
0: a couple years there with the scientists. reference. The scientists, is right. Yeah. I love that, that man. Cool. We <laughs> miss you on battle plans. Yeah. So just you your, your overall assessment of the Ravens-Chargers game, because I got to tell you, Dev, I was really surprised, pleasantly surprised, by that defensive performance.
3: I think so. For me, going into that game, I was actually it unfolded a lot like I thought it would. I didn't think the score was going to be what it was, and I didn't think the defense would dominate the way they did. To your point, I thought the Chargers might get in the twenties, but I I thought the Ravens had a great uh, matchup coming into this game because if you look at the defense, the corners really match up well with the Chargers' uh, receivers. The receivers being big, aside from Benjamin and Allen, and Allen's a difficult. Matchup for sure, but if you look at um, you know just the way the the Ravens corners are are versatile enough to match up with a route runner like that, if you're able to nullify him, the Chargers don't have the tight ends really that can kill the Ravens linebackers. So it really comes down to those downfield shots. And I, I think it was interesting a couple of weeks ago on Twitter, myself, Ken McCusick, Michael Crawford, we went back and forth on how if you attack a deep thrower like Rivers, you're going to lose a couple of those throws he's going to hit on them but you take you kind of take the percentages into it you're going to also make a couple of plays get some sacks and throw him off his game because he's he's not going to move out of the pocket so I thought that's kind of what they did it worked really well they missed a lot of throws because it was it was difficult and offensively uh, the Ravens just continue to do what they've been doing now I thought the Chargers would hold them and check a little bit more on, on, on the ground then they kind of did if you want to look at it. But, you know, the Ravens still kind of had their way and had some big chunk plays and I think proved that the Chargers front is not physical enough. But then again, I don't know which fronts are going to be physical enough to kind of go uh, toe-to-toe with this offense.
0: Yeah, I thought it was an interesting matchup against the Chargers because the Chargers aren't big, but they're fast. And I think that that helped string out the Ravens offense, because Lamar didn't have the kind of plays on the edges like he's had in the previous games. You know, when he got his chunk yards, they were usually runs between the tackles.
3: Yeah, that's that, exactly. Uh, so they did have the speed to contain. They played pretty disciplined. But the the thing that stood out was the sustainability of the offense and just kind of nickeling and diming the Chargers with their backs and just getting first downs. And then, obviously, they hit the huge big play to Andrews. And um, that was – a really nice design, uh, and, and just kind of setting up the tight ends on the strong side, and then they ended up turning up the field. That's always a difficult matchup uh, for any linebackers and, and safeties, no matter how athletic they are. So I think this is the formula for this Ravens team. They they have to play really great on defense. They ha- got a couple of turnovers. They got a they got a return from from Cyrus Jones, and then offensively, you control the action, and then you hit on a couple of big plays. Um, and and that's kind of how you're going to have to operate going forward. But you know, I think it's it really spoke volumes. I thought just in terms of the because I, I respect the Chargers' talent tremendously, and I respect Philip Rivers uh, and, and that whole you know outfit. But one thing, and I didn't I didn't put this out there publicly, but I was thinking about it. Tony it reminded me of the Jets going up in San Diego a few years ago and beating that that really good Chargers team that I think had 13 wins, if you remember. And I just think Sandy, uh, L.A., I should say, I keep checking myself, um, they just don't always match up that well with rugged, physical teams that are going to run the ball and then defensively play man-to-man and kind of come after you.
0: Yeah, I thought the difference in, in this game with the Ravens and the Chargers versus the Chargers' success that they had against the Chiefs was that although the Chiefs came after Rivers, they came after him from the edges, and he was able right. to climb the pocket and still find you know arm angles to get rid of the ball and get it to his receivers. This pressure that the Ravens delivered on Saturday night was a lot of it was inside the tackles. They were
3: dominating their guards. That's a good point, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then they did a good job of just saying, okay, look, like Rivers is going to have to throw um, – He's going to have to move and and move side to side versus being able to step up. To your point, any pocket passer like Brady, Rivers, whoever these guys would be, if you're coming from the edges, that's one of the dangers. Is that if they ID that pressure, uh, they're able to step up, still have enough room to maneuver with their footwork, and they're going to get the ball out. And then you're going to be in a tough situation. And and the other thing is, got to give credit to the man to man coverage and and just kind of the fact that, you know, we've seen now since the bye week. With Wink, he has made a. De- he's been dedicated to just leaving his guys out there, and with whether it's Cover Zero or some heavy pressures that he'll bring, uh, in a calculated manner, he's going to bring them at times, knowing that the coverage is going to hold up, or you're going to just have a situation where the quarterback is rushed and his throws rushed. And you saw that with Rivers at times. He it wasn't that so much that they didn't have the right matchups. It's just that. You know, if you're rushed and you're throwing you know, off balance, those throws are, are, are not going to be easy to catch for the receiver or they're just going to go widely incomplete. So that's also what happened in this game. We're talking with Dev Pancho
0: on the Mobile One Hotline. I'm here with Brian McFarlane from Russell Streetport as well. And I'll throw this the same question to both of you guys. Looking at the potential matchups for the Ravens going forward in, in 2018, this particular team worried me a little bit, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I just thought that they had the defensive talent that could stymie Lamar a little bit. But, you know, they, they may end up playing the Chargers again probably in, in Baltimore. So is there any team that worries you? Dev, you mentioned the formula for success and, and this, this way of moving forward for the Ravens, you know, this this way they're going about managing games. Is there any team that you think could upset that
1: formula? Well, I mean, New England is New England. Belichick always seems to pull something out of his hat, but we we also go to New England and generally play well. Um, so you always wonder if he can uh, something some way making it scheme it up that nobody else has figured out yet. Um, I think if there's one team I don't want to face, I don't want to go back to Kansas City because Mahomes is just a magician. I mean, he made he made another one of those. It wasn't a no look pass last night or yesterday. It was last night, but it was this sidearm thing, which is terrific, and just and and right on the money. I mean, running one way, opening his body up, and just throwing across his body. It was just amazing. So that's the thing. And you know, Deb talked about the talent in the secondary. You can have a guy covered, and he does something like that, right? right? You know, and what are you going to do? You know, so. I, I don't know that now Kansas City's defense. I don't know uh, having to play a second time whether they figure something out that they didn't figure out the first time. Uh, I, I'm not worried as worried about their defense. I just think you know, it's a matchup as a, against a team and going. And it, you know, we played well in Kansas City. We pretty much you know we we won one playoff game there before.
3: Uh, I'll throw in the I in the, in the, uh, sorry. Go ahead, Brian. No, good. Okay. Yeah, I was going to throw in a random one, but I don't think it's going to. Uh, if they make the playoffs as a four. I mean, just assuming that they get past Cleveland and everything holds up, I think one intriguing team is, is the Colts. Um, it's just that I don't think that that's going to necessarily line up because the Colts would be, you know, with the sixth seed. And, and anything could happen. But if you just look at that offense and defense, um, the speed on defense for the Colts would worry me because I think they could contain some of the the, the motion and some of the, um, some of the plays that the Ravens run out of their read option. So that would be one thing. And then I think offensively, the thing that really is concerning, and to Brian's point, why Kansas City would be tough is, again, Kelsey. They, don't have, they didn't have an answer for Kelsey enough. They did figure it out in the second half. Give credit to them. They figured it out. But it, the tight ends do concern me, and the Colts are a team that uh, with, with, um, with um, geez, I'm draw- Ebron, I was about to draw a blank on him, and um, Jack Dolan, who I think is, is out for the year. But they, they do rely on their tight ends more so. Um, and create matchup problems that way, and then luck obviously has sent out some of the elements of just being able to get out of the pocket and buy time. Ty Hilton, off, you know, over the top, and then you got Marlon Mack, who's been really taking advantage of the fact that teams have to defend the pass first. Um, that's another thing to consider too. Is when we saw Tampa Bay, for example, hit on a couple of plays because the defense had to think of the pass first, and then the run with the the running game that Barbara was able to produce. That. Um, that was a byproduct of that because they had the weapons over the top that you had to respect. So I think those are kind of the elements, and the Kansas City has some of that, the Colts have some of that, but then the rest of the field. Uh, you could argue the Chargers do too. Um, it's just that I think the Ravens really match up well um, with those receivers.
0: Yeah, the one, the one that I don't really like is the a potential matchup, and I, I know a lot of things have to happen for this to take place, but if the Ravens had to go into Houston...
1: Their their defensive front's pretty good. They're yeah. yeah,
3: their edge guys particularly. Yeah, their defense could cause trouble. But there's something up with that team and that defense in general. I feel like they just are underachieving. Uh, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I don't know if you guys have ever caught yourself just watching them play and just they've got all the star power, but they just tend to play down to it sometimes. So. Uh, I don't know. I mean, but yeah, that's a fair point. They're they're defensively capable based on their personnel uh, to be able to 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 stop the run, which is the number one thing anybody's going to have to do against this Ravens team.
1: Yeah, and they had I don't know what it. It goes along with their defense, but the whole their team as a whole. And I know they've had a couple of tough games, but the Colts went it in, in their Mac and round. They went into Houston. And last so the last couple of weeks they have not been playing well. They, they, they should have had that division wrapped up and I guess if they they lose and the Colts win next week, I think the I think the Colts take the division, don't they?
3: I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it what it sets up as and then I think the scenario for the Ravens is, is a poor one if um 'cause I think Houston can knock them out of the playoffs, right? So um yeah, the Ravens have to hope that uh, the Texans win against the Jags, which I think they should. But, again, they've been playing so poorly, like you just wouldn't have thought they would be playing as poorly as they did against the Jets. I think it was two weeks ago. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, this is, the Ravens are really set up for a, a tremendous opportunity if they get in because there's no – other than Kansas City, in Kansas City maybe, but they've already gone there. They've shown that they can hang with them. One play here, there—they're winning that game too, right? So I don't think this field is very intimidating at all. That's the NFL today.
1: Yeah,
0: it really is. Yeah. So let's look at this this Browns game, Dev. I mean, I was at this party on Saturday night while we were watching the game. Ravens helped make that a terrific party, by the way. But the the thing with the Ravens and watching them play is that you know everybody was saying, "Well, watch them beat the Chargers." Do the un imaginable and pull off the upset win and then come home as six-point favorites to the Browns
3: and you know what to the bed. <laughs> well it would be Ravens it would be so Ravens to do that, I guess just the latest incarnation of what the Ravens are. Uh, but I think there's some, some concerns. You guys are talking about matchups in the playoffs and I was just the wheels were turning in my head and I'm like well the Bronze are actually a tough matchup because if you look at it at least on offense, right? Like just starting off with the offense that they present. Uh, Nick Chubb has been just running the ball on everybody. And that running game has been even better. I think it's up there. I mean, the Ravens are the number one rushing attack, but I don't have the numbers in front of me, but the Browns have been able to run the ball prolifically as well. And then you add into that just how that's helped to contribute with Baker Mayfield and his comfort level. And he's a big time playmaker. He did the, he did, he did a lot against this defense even in the first game. He made some mistakes as well, and that's the thing you hope for is that in this game that this defense that is now certain suddenly figured out and, and kind of started to make plays and create turnovers, which they were lacking before, they have to be able to do that in this game um, and kind of shake him but he's not a guy that easily shakes. And then they've got Njoku. They've got some uh, some weapons. that. And all of, a, all of a sudden, they've got Brashard Perryman, who's, <laughs> who's capable of taking the top off. So, uh, yeah, I think the Browns are, are dangerous for sure, just based on the matchup. I don't think that this team is going to necessarily mentally um, have an issue coming into this game. And I don't think they're going to get... Uh, I don't think they're going to get intimidated by, by the, the spotlight of having to win this to, to win the division. I don't think that's going to shake them. Uh, and I think part of that is the Lamar factor. I'm, I'm sorry to say, I mean, this isn't a, a knock on Joe, but there's just something about the, the Lamar factor that I think has made them harder now. And, and maybe that's carried over to the defensive guys, because really I think it's been the defense that has, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, kind of, you know, drop the ball or, you know, just kind of not been been present in in big moments to make big stops, but they've been doing a better job of that. And I think that'll carry over against the Browns. And I think they, you know, they will get it done. It's going to be, they're going to make them, the team's going to make everybody sweat this out though, uh, because the Browns are a good team. I think legitimately, that's just what the Ravens do. That's what they do. (laughs) Well, they let people sweat it out against the bucks, right? That's the, the, that's the thing. So, uh, but I wouldn't fault anybody for, for feeling like, okay, yeah, like they're not going to close this game out. There's nothing – I mean, you have to actually go the other way with it because they haven't closed things out the last two seasons when they've had the same opportunity. This is, a, I think, a, even more obviously getting the home playoff game, winning the division. It's even bigger stakes at hand. Uh, and I, I just – yeah, I could see the fear factor.
0: I got to tell you, if this were six or seven weeks ago – I would not have forecast
3: this conversation we're having. Right
1: no, now. absolutely not. It's crazy. It's amazing,
3: isn't it, guys? Like, they seemed completely lifeless and dead after that Steelers game. Uh, and we're thinking, okay, you know, maybe they can just, well, what are they going to do next? Like, when is Lamar going to play? Uh, it just looked like the same old, same old. And, and you know, this reminds me of quite a bit of that Redskins team uh, that RG3 actually guided to. Uh, I think they were four and six or something like that. very similar record, and then they rattled off. You know they ended up winning out the rest of the year. And sometimes that just happens, and it's, it's been a complete transformation. And all credit to this coaching staff, uh, you, know, just even thinking through just how much they've had. And this has been a tough slate of opponents, too, right? Like they've, it's not been easy. Uh, road games that have been tough, and they've, they've won all these games and really should have won them all. With the Kansas City game as well, kind of slipping out of their grasp.
0: Dev, what did you see from Lamar Jackson in the passing game against the Chargers? Anything impress you, or anything that causes concern?
3: There's a couple of things. I I think that really stood out in a good way was that uh, you know I thought his his uh, timing was there, and, and I think I've told told you before, Tony, like he's on time a lot of the times when he's able to get. Uh, a quick read and and just kind of go through his progression. So his footwork's pretty good. The ball's out on time. And I saw some of that. So then uh, they used the underneath um, targets really well, and I thought his timing with them was good so that they could gain yards after contact. Like we saw Kenneth Nixon uh, rip off a couple of those plays as a pass catcher on the edges. Uh, So that was nice to see. That wasn't – it seems like it's a very feast or famine passing game at times. Like they just can't even complete basic – Underneath throws for whatever reason. It could be Lamar's accuracy. Uh, it could be, you know, because the receivers aren't catching the football, whatever. It just seems like disjointed at times, and then they'll hit like a couple of plays down the field. So I thought that that was better in terms of sustainability, just kind of sustaining drives, getting shorter throws off. His timing was good. His accuracy was good. Um, I think the concern still is that, it, you know, there's times where his ball placement could be better. And, and I think in this game in particular, his reads were, were, were very good. Um, just his decision-making was very good. This was probably up there, one of his best performances, I think, actually, in contrast to what we had with, with the week before and you know, the conditions. You had to consider the conditions against Tampa. But, I mean, if, if we're comparing, he, he came a long way from that game because he was uh, wildly off the mark. And that's the, that's the problem with him in general is his accuracy, his, his throw, his, his ability to throw a good football, for lack of a better way of putting it, right? Like, just put, throwing the ball on the spot um, when it needs to be there. I think he has the ability to read the field well, and you have to like his progression there. Uh, it's just his delivery and his ability to get the ball to the right spot to the receivers. That's still something that he struggles with. If you
0: are Wink Martindale, what are you going to do to stop Baker Mayfield?
3: Well, uh, I, I you know it's interesting. I, I think the formula that he's been using so far. I don't think you deviate uh, too much from that. Like I think you still play aggressive. I think you come after uh, the quarterback with inside blitzes. With I think uh, I, I think I might use a lot more disguise against Baker because again, you know, with Baker and I haven't been uh, keeping up with them game to game, so I'm not aware of how much he's progressed necessarily in terms of reading. Blitzes and reading pre snap, um, how he's done there. But I think as a rookie, just naturally, you still want to throw a lot of crazy looks at any rookie quarterback and get them thinking at the pre snap phase and confuse them in the post snap phase. So I think that deception is still where I would lean towards versus I think with Wink uh, in comparison to like Dean Pease, I think Pease actually had a lot more deceptive looks at times. Wink is kind of just like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come after you and, and just try to stop it. So I, I would probably change that up a bit to get Baker to make some mistakes in the post-snap read. Uh, and, and the biggest thing to me is, it, with Baker is, um, you know, also the ability for the, the secondary to stay with their guys downfield when he's kind of moving around. Because, again, he's also another guy that can buy time, get out of the pocket. He's a playmaker. So you have to be aware that he's going to be able to throw the ball He's a gunslinger. like he's going to take some chances with it and you just have to be in the right position and, and really do a good job plastering your plastering receivers downfield.
0: Well this is something I know the kind of question you love to answer, Dev.
3: what's the score going to be? <laughs> I love it. Oh I love it. Uh, <laughs> I think the Ravens win this uh, let's say 26 to 14, 26 to 17. You know what? I'm going to do 26-17, 26-18. How about that? I keep going up in the score. I think it is a one-score game, but I think they win in the fourth quarter kind of going away. I don't think it's going to be a tremendous amount of drama, but uh, the key to this game to me is Nick Chubb. Like I think you have to stop the Browns from running the ball, and uh, you have to minimize big plays. And Joku is also a tricky guy from a coverage standpoint. So those are three things where defensively they've got to be on the ball. And I think the offense is going to be able to kind of do what they want. Um, frankly, I don't think that's going to be an issue, but obviously protect the football and you've got to convert in the red zone. Well, there he is. Dev Panchois, analyst, the scientist from Russell street report. <laughs> Dev, thanks for joining us today. Thanks guys. Pleasure. And uh happy holidays to you both. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Merry, Merry, Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. All right, guys. Thanks. thanks Dev. Thank you.
0: All right. We're going to take a quick timeout. When we come back. We'll wrap up the show have some other thoughts and opinions for next week. (laughs) Don't go away. And welcome back into the Russell Street Report. I'm Tony Lombardi here in studio with our capologist, Brian McFarlane. And Brian and I were talking off the air. We feel like we want to give out some Christmas presents at that time of year, Brian. So let's get out. Wait a minute. We, we, we got a call. We got a call, Blake? All right. Let's go out to the Mobile One hotline. Who do we have on the Mobile One hotline? Hey, Tony Lombardi, what's going on, man? How you doing on this fine
4: Christmas
0: Eve? <laughs> Is this my favorite limo driver? That's always a pleasant ride, but what's going on, Jeter?
4: Well, right now, man, I'm just basking in the glow, basking in the glow of the Ravens' victory last night. It was stupendous. It was superlative. It was one of the greatest nights of my life. Ah, The Ravens have just made me a very happy
0: man. Were you at a party while you were watching this, or were you alone? All right. So what, what did you think? I know you're excited about the outcome, but what did you think of the play of Lamar Jackson in the Ravens defense?
4: Oh, well, first of all, Lamar Jackson, he is like, you know what he like? He's like when you go, when, he, when you, 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 know, you have somebody that needs to be resuscitated, like on Pulp Fiction, and they take the gigantic needle and they shove it in the girl's chest. she wakes up all energetic. That's what Lamar Jackson is being for the Ravens. He's like a big <laughs> adrenaline needle. <laughs>
0: I'll never look quite look at him the same way,
2: Jeter. <laughs> yeah, adj- man, he's awesome, man. He's running around, making plays, throwing to the tight
4: end. Who knew he had a tra- track star as a tight end? He's making everybody fast. They might be rubbing off on him in like fairy dust or something. I don't
0: know. Now, I know, Jeter, that the one thing that really rubs you the wrong way is when another team is bitching and complaining the way Philip Rivers was. He really was. Talk about your. Did the score indicate to you how badly the Ravens beat them, or you think it would have been, it should have been a bigger score? So the, the, the Steelers actually did the Ravens a favor, too, because guess what, Jeter? The Ravens are in first place.
4: That's one of my favorite Christmas movies. <laughs> that just starts today, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> that does start today, and buddy, you know what? Let's not feel bad for Mike Tomlin, because if that decision forces him out of the playoffs and he loses his job, he
4: still has a backup plan where he can go back to being the lead singer
0: on the Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> <laughs> are they still a thing? I don't even <laughs> you know Black Eyed Peas are around anymore. So what do you think of the Ravens' chances against the Browns? Plans for the Christmas holiday and New Year's?
4: I'm getting drunk, baby.
0: <laughs> I'm taking
4: some days off. I'm celebrating this win.
0: You better hire a limo driver for yourself then. I know. I know. It's like
4: when they go to, that's like when a doctor goes to another doctor. You know what I'm saying? We take care of ourselves. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right man, we'll miss it.
0: Thanks a lot, Jeter. Thanks, we'll talk you to you too. soon, I hope. <laughs> I him. All right, see you later. There goes Jeter. Surprise call, Ryan. <laughs> All right, so he's giving out Christmas presents. We're going to give out Christmas presents, too. So what have you got for me?
1: Uh, I got a couple combo Christmas presents. Uh, the first one, it's an early Christmas present for, for Lamar and for our incoming GM, Eric DaCosta. Okay. I want to see them get a first-round wide receiver Who's a stud. We'll, we'll pick in late, but that would be my first Christmas present because that will set. Because we got these old guys that are probably gone, you know. The, the Crabtree is probably gone. Out. So we'll have Snead. we we got to go young because free agent wide receivers aren't going to come here probably for, for this offense. Great point. So you're going to have to draft somebody. So I want DaCosta to start his career off by giving his, his new star quarterback a wide receiver who's going to make plays. Okay. So that's one. Two, maybe a, we'll put DaCosta and, and Harbaugh together on this one. I like stability. Uh, when they were four and five, I thought Harbaugh was gone. They've done a magnificent job. I think he probably deserves to stay if he wants to stay. We'll see what happens with that. So it's either a long-term contract. I don't want him to be a lame duck. I don't think if he wants to try and play out and become a free agent, great for him, I don't, like, I don't like the idea of a lame duck coach, because I think your team can quit on you at some point. Agreed. So, I, I want either, of, if he's going to stay, let's get an extension, if he's not going to stay, let's get a draft pick. I want to trade, trade him. him. Wow. Trade him? I want to trade him. I want DaCosta, so this will be for DaCosta, too. He'll get to pick his coach, and he'll get, a, he'll get an extra draft pick out of it. So what do you think that John Harbaugh could draw in a trade? I mean, think I think Gruden, I think Gruden it, get two well. Get two Gruden ones got for Gruden. two two ones and two twos for Gruden back wow. in the day. Yeah, I mean that was the most ridiculous trade ever. Um, I think you could probably get a second round pick for him. Um, I think uh, he's all all the national guys say he's going to be going to be in demand. Now whether a team will give up a pick for him or not, or they're willing to wait. I mean Denver Denver seems like a logical place. So uh, I don't I don't know if L.A. would give up a pick for him, but uh in third round if they Denver's going to pick pretty early third round take it and run with it now i'm not you know i'd rather them stay cuz i like stability but so that would be my second one and my third one is for Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans to enjoy a nice fire watching the ravens play in the playoffs in 2 weeks i love that one. that's, that's the best.
0: <laughs> sorry sorry
1: Pittsburgh people but that one's sweet okay i've got 3 as well
0: my first one, you mentioned getting a number one receiver to, for Lamar. I'm gonna—it's a combo package for, for Joe Flacco. It's gonna be a farewell gift. Thank you for your time served. Thank you for Super Bowl 47 and your MVP performance. But we're gonna send you off to a team that has a real number one receiver. All so right. that's my Christmas present to Joe Flacco. Number two, for Lamar, Jackson, and Gus Edwards. Every game. There's a mis-exchange between those two, yep. and there's a fumble. I'm getting those guys nice hand warmers for uh, time. Jack Tatum, stick them. <laughs> <laughs> or that. And then the last one goes to a coach who was given credit by John Harbaugh during his last Monday presser. He was actually mentioned first when crediting the offensive design. That is Greg Roman. I'd like to give him the offensive coordinator position. Yeah, uh, sounds good to me. And Marty can go back to doing what Marty does whatever, in having interesting press conferences right. as a, a quarterback's a coach. coach or an assistant offensive right. coach or something like that. You can keep him around. I'm not looking for him to get fired because nobody wants to do that this time right. of year. But at the same time, I think it's time for Greg Roman to take over the controls of the play calling for offense. That sounds good to me. So. All right, that does it for our show today. Thanks for joining sure, me, sure, Brian. Anytime. And you know, always check out Brian's work on Russell Street Report Salary Cap. He gets real busy when the off season starts. Yes. So, so we'll see that, that when that happens, and I'm sure he'll have some things to say if that Harbaugh trade comes to fruition, or if uh, Joe Flacco trade comes yeah, to fruition. Right. So, Extra draft picks will make the Costa job a little easier. Absolutely. So that's the Russell Street Report for this week. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to all you listeners, and thanks for tuning in. As we close out the show today, it's hard for me not to be embraced by the holiday spirit. For me, the Christmas spirit—it really is the most wonderful time of the year. I think of the many Christmas movies. We all have our favorites. For me, those include *A Christmas Story*, *It's a Wonderful Life*, *Jack Frost*, *Christmas Vacation*, *A Christmas Carol*, and *Scrooged*. Some are humorous, some heartfelt, some are both. But in the end, the best Christmas movies leave a strong message, one that paints a picture of peace and tranquility. Each seems to suggest that it's the simple things that matter most, not the materialism that too often prevails in our world. One of my favorite Christmas movie scenes is at the end of Scrooge, delivered perfectly by Bill Murray. In so many words, Murray's message is one of selflessness and generosity. It embraces the notion of paying it forward. So as we close out the show today with those words from Frank Cross, played brilliantly by Bill Murray, all of us at Fanimal Radio would like to wish you the finest of holiday seasons and a 2019 filled with promises kept, dreams fulfilled, and a world that is more compromising and less polarizing than the one we lived through in 2018.
2: It's Christmas Eve. It's it's the one night of the year when we all act a little nicer, We, we smile a little easier, we... We we share we, we a little more for a couple of hours out of the whole year. We are the people that we always hoped we would be. It's a miracle. It's really a sort of a miracle because it happens every Christmas Eve. And if you waste that miracle, you're going to burn for it. I know what I'm talking about. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having... Having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat that there are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you, if you give. Then you, then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all of you. If you believe in this spirit thing, you, you, the miracle will happen and then you'll want it to happen again tomorrow. You won't be one of these bastards who says Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life and it can happen to you. I, don't, I believe in it now. I believe it's going to happen to me now. I'm ready for it. Uh, and I... Uh, it's great. It's a good feeling. It's it's really better than I felt in a long time. I I I'm ready. Have a Merry Christmas
4: everybody.